You've just found your survival guide for the new reality of business. From technical advances to motivation and leadership, workplace changes are happening all around us. How can CEOs, leaders, and managers accelerate talent development, reshape culture, and succeed with purpose? By seeing what's coming and making the personal and organizational choices to do better. Welcome to the Future Proof Workplace with Linda Sharkey and Morag Barrett. Welcome to the Future Proof Workplace radio show. Thank you for joining us today. And through these shows, our goal is to share insights and information on trending topics impacting the world of work and careers in the 21st century. And to do that, we're inviting experts and thought leaders to be our guests. After tuning in, we want you to walk away having learned something new and equipped to better future-proof both your organization and your career. This is Morag Barrett, partner at Sky Team and best-selling author of Cultivate the Power of Winning Relationships, as well as co-author with Dr. Linda Sharkey of The Future Proof Workplace. And today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Dr. Trish Holliday, who is the Assistant Commissioner and State Chief Learning Officer for the State of Tennessee. So, Trish, welcome to the Future Proof Workplace radio show. Thank you so much. I am delighted that you chose to invite me to be on the show with you. Well, how could I not? It's often, it's interesting how when we look for thought leaders, it's it's easy for us to look in the corporate environment. But here you are in the state of Tennessee, literally leading edge in the work that you and the team are doing across the state. So I'm excited to learn more about what you've done in the years that you've been there, but more importantly, your future vision and how you see that uh, transforming the way of learning and work for the state of Tennessee, but also how we can all learn from the work you're doing. So thank you for being with me. Thank you. Yay. Hey, it's going to be fun. So let's help our listeners just get up to speed a little bit. Obviously, I've given you, you shared your title, Assistant Commissioner and State Chief Learning Officer. And I know that the role of Chief Learning Officer, this is something that's unique to the state of Tennessee, or at least it was. You were the first. So perhaps you could help us by understanding how did you end up serving as a high-ranking HR professional in the role of Chief Learning Officer? And what's the significance of this within state government? Well, I, this is a topic I love to talk about, so I'm really excited that you you ask because I believe that the transformation that's happened in the state of Tennessee around learning, leadership development has really been at the helm of having a governor who says workforce development is essential for us to be able to provide the best products and services to our citizens, and not just the governor, but then he appointed a commissioner, and our commissioner's commissioner, Rebecca Hunter, her role in driving human resources across the enterprise has brought this highlight, or I guess emphasis is a better way to say, on driving cultural change using learning and leadership development as key drivers. And it really started with this idea that we want to be an employer of choice. Now, what's funny about that is how many times somebody will say, government can't be an employer of choice. No way. Uh, you, all, you all are behind times. You know, um, you're antiquated. You're always the last to know and the last to do. And we wanted to set out on a journey to really change that perception of government 
And with the governor and Commissioner Hunter at the helm really opened the doors for us to say, yes, we want to be a learning organization, and how can we transform our culture where people want to be a part of it, where people are excited about its direction and its opportunities, and we really can achieve this goal of becoming an employer of choice. So when Mm -hmm. I got the call, I call it um, the magic call, the day that my life changed (laughs) forever. Right. When Commissioner Hunter, she called me, and I mean, what was so fascinating is when she called me and said, you know, I would like to invite you to serve in the chief learning officer role for the state. I mean, just just that moment of hearing that invitation and then really being the first state in the country to take on this idea that learning is going to be a key driver in how we do business was really not just shocking, but it was so exciting to know that I was working for somebody that had this grander vision of who we could be and how learning could really help us get there. And so mm. that's pretty exciting to be the first woman in the state in a, in a role that the state had never had and other states had not yet embarked on this idea of a chief learning officer. So pretty, and that, and a chief learning officer for the enterprise, that means for the whole state government, not just in one department or one division. You're working across all agencies. So just to give us a size of the scope and complexity, tell me how many agencies, how many supervisors, how many employees, just give us some of the vital statistics for the state of Tennessee. Yeah, and and I like that because that will put it in perspective. So there's 40,000-plus state employees, three branches Mm -hmm. of government. Now, I am specifically charged, my scope is with the executive branch of government. What's exciting about the things that we're doing, many of the legislative uh, leaders and the um, judicial leaders are wanting to participate in what we're doing, which Mm -hmm. to me is another validation of what's going on. We have 8,600-plus supervisors across state government, 23 cabinet agencies. So there's 23 commissioners that sit on the governor's cabinet who I consider to be – that's my main customer are those commissioners. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'll tell you why in a little bit. But And then we also have 20-plus boards and commissions, which means (sighs) – Um, you know, separate agencies. They may not be a cabinet agency, but they themselves are significant in contributing the products and services they offer, like the State Museum or like the Human Rights Commission or the Arts Commission, the uh, Council on Children and Youth or Aging. And and so those are the different kinds of I guess, components that make up state government. And and it's pretty exciting when you think about how big it is. We're one yes. of the, the largest employers in the state. And then to think about we actually now are partnering with the private sector and really bringing to the table leading or, or very cutting-edge strategies of learning that I'm proud are getting nationally and internationally recognized because of the, the transformation that's occurring right here in the state of Tennessee. 
So I do want to talk about that public-private partnership because I think that's innovative in of itself. But again, so scope and complexity, there is no doubt there is that given the, the size of the number of employees that you're looking after, the different um, commissioners, the boards, the cabinets, the everything going on. So right. tell us about the journey to date because you've just mentioned there you're already getting recognition and awards. So what when you join, when you said yes, when you stopped squealing about the role and the phone, you put the phone down and you, you start any first. Give us a little bit of a picture of what was the culture like when you arrived, what was in place, and then bring us up to speed as to here we are, January 2018. Where are you now and some of the awards? So where were you and where are you now and what are you getting recognition for? Well, and, and what I do, I always like to say, first of all, I think true cultural transa- transformation occurs within an organization when the top executives say that this is important and they vest, they're invested in it and they endorse it and they champion it. And mm-hmm. to me, that's one of the main things that happened in 2012 was the state went through a legislative change where the governor's bill called the TEAM Act transformed civil service. So our state was under the civil service uh, aspect prior to 2012, we were a seniority-based culture, which means if you're going to promote, you're promoting who's been there the longest. Mm -hmm. If you're going to hire... If you've got open positions, now you're hiring who's been there the longest. And so there was very little need to recruit. You would often hear people say, I'm just going to come accept anything just so I can get my foot in the door. So it's this yep. idea of, of becoming, you know, we were just recycling inside ourselves and we weren't outward facing. And, and so based being a seniority driven culture changed when we when the governor signed into law the team act of 2012 which moved us to a performance based culture so now seniority was not the key driver of somebody landing a new promotion or somebody being hired, we actually now are hiring based on qualifications, the best fit for the job, and we're making sure that just because you've been there the longest doesn't mean you're the best qualified. You really are going to have to compete with the the talent pool. So Mm -hmm. it was a really exciting time. It was also very scary. So think about a culture who before really, you know, the status quo was what was okay. You know, you, you would hear, you would, I was a part of that culture because I've been in state government now for 12 years. I'm in my 13th year right now. And I was with a previous administration Mm -hmm. that had the civil service uh, umbrella. And if you think about that, it, it, what changed is how you do business. I mean, everything changed because it now yep. it now highlights we got to recruit and now we have to focus on retaining because if you go after top talent, how are you going to keep them? And, mm-hmm. and top talent typically doesn't want to stay around poor talent. And so how are we going to begin to hold people accountable in the workforce for the work they're doing? 
And I, Dr. Holly Burkett wrote a book called Learning for the Long Run. And in her chapter on lead with culture, the state of Tennessee is a case study in that book. And what I love about it is she has seven practices for sustaining a resilient learning organization. And we were featured as part of how you go through that change management strategy to actually transform a culture because it's a, it's a hard, hard thing. And the challenges are moving 40,000 plus people in a totally different direction who are used to 50 years of doing things one way. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so the significance, I think, of just the chief learning role, officer role, the message it sent was, we're going to now create alignment. And I wrote an article for ATD in their public manager journal, and the title was, Getting Rid of Check-the-Box Syndrome of Training. Because this whole idea that you're sent to training, and then when you leave, you're like, check the box, done. Or yep. you know how you'll hear employees say, uh, oh, I've got to go to training today, yes. right? So it's, it's yes. almost, i got to go. And then the other idea is, you know, there's nothing like leading a training class with people who have been told, go to this training or you're going to lose your job. Or, you know, sending people for punishment, for, yeah. you know, and leading that group is really, woo, that's fun, right? And so you think about, we had to change the message around training and we, we changed the vocabulary to say we want to be a learning culture, which means there's informal learning, formal learning, and it's the employee's responsibility, not the organization's responsibility to, for people to learn. It's the organization's responsibility to actually create the learning environment and the learning experience. But the employee themselves have to own what they learn, what they do not learn. They have to take charge of their own careers. And you talk about a change. That was a huge, huge shift in mindset. Right. So it sounds like when you joined in 2012, it it was similar to the stereotype image of um, government sector. And you've uh, helped to be a catalyst for that change in quite a short period of time. So you've received some awards. I know HR.com, et cetera. So what are some of the national accolades and, and questions that you're being asked now as others see the impact that you're having? Well, and, and I appreciate that question because one of the things I think is really exciting is and probably an indicator that you're doing something right is when you become a template for someone else. And mm -hmm. what I love is when, you know, I have other states calling in to say, hey, can we come? Can we talk to you? Can we do a site visit? Can you come out here? I had an amazing experience with the state of Oregon and got, got to go out and visit with them and their administrative leadership to say, here's, here's what a learning platform could be. And and what I really appreciate about those opportunities is I feel like in government so many times we're, we're told it can't happen or yeah. you, can't, you can't compete or there's no way government could be at the forefront of some new learning strategy or some new learning approach. And, 
And what I've loved is, is just, you know, privately, personally, myself, watching that become um, not true, right? And, and mm-hmm. watching the state become a place where people, part of our retention strategy is we want, when you come to work for us, we're going to invest in you. And we're going to, you know, people are going to have a chance to grow and, and we want to be a part of helping them become who they, who they want to be. And I think, I think to note that, we now have a state executive recruiter because now we, we are recruiting. We're recruiting mm-hmm. for top talent. You know, that's, that's something that's in place now that prior to 2012, there was no need to recruit because we were hiring based on how, how long you've been in, inside state government, which was giving yep. you the, the edge, so to speak. And now we're going after true qualifications, true best fit, and and I like the fact that we actually have a learning platform that is teaching our supervisors how to supervise, how to hire, how to retain their employees, how to coach, and how to reward their employees. So again, pay for performance in government is unheard of. And the Tennessee, you know, we're doing it. We now have a culture where we pay for performance. People get bonuses and, and we're actually, actually recognizing top talent, those who are um, achieving results beyond what's expected. It's fantastic, Trish. So we're coming up on a break and you're listening to the Future Proof Workplace Radio Show with Morag Barrett. And our guest this week is Dr. Trish Holliday, who is the Assistant Commissioner and State Chief Learning Officer for the state of Tennessee. And when we come back, we're going to be continuing to learn from Trish some of the changes and impact that having a learning culture has had for the state and how that can translate both for other organisations, whether you're in the public sector or in the private sector. Stay with us. Ever wondered if your career will last? Will your job be around in 10 years, 5 years, or even tomorrow? The Future Proof Workplace with Linda Sharkey and Morag Barrett gives you practical tips and tools that are not only fact-based and proven to make you a better leader, but will also ensure that both your organization and career are future-proof. Linda Sharkey and Morag Barrett are sought-out keynote speakers, leadership development and organization experts, and they can help you future-proof your career. To learn more about everything they have to offer you and your organization, visit futureproofworkplace.com. So welcome back to the Future Proof Workplace Radio Show. My guest, Dr. Trish Holliday, Assistant Commissioner and State Chief Learning Officer for the state of Tennessee. So Trish, before we went to break, you'd made mention of the learning platform that the state of Oregon have come to see behind the curtain and find out what it is that you're doing in the state of Tennessee. Maybe for our listeners, can you describe what you mean by a learning platform and some of the programs and how you've designed learning as a journey for the employees uh, in the state. Absolutely. I, you know, and I, I think the, for context purposes, I think it's not, you know, it's good to understand that prior to 2012, we were, you know, we had this silo mentality. We had agencies uh, operating, doing their own learning, designing what they they want to teach and, and coming up with their own trainings and workshops. And, you know, we had job classifications that did not necessarily reflect, reflect uh, current business needs. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, 
with inconsistent learning and development, you really can't move the needle very far as as an enterprise. So government as a whole was stuck. I mean, if you think about it, everybody's doing their own thing, then that means as a whole, that greater good component was really being left out because we couldn't travel on the same journey. And what was Mm -hmm. exciting when we created this learning platform that said, okay, We've got to make sure that we have four things in place. And that was our supervisors are very critical to our success because we know the number one reason private sector or public sector an employee leaves their job is typically their supervisor relationship. And so we knew that that was critical to have to have learning and skill workshops built to help supervisors become more equipped to be effective cuz think about it back before in the civil service world that we were in and remember we're tenure based and the w- only way to recognize performance and, and reward somebody was to promote them to supervisor well yes. guess what you ended up with <laughs> You have people leading people who don't even like people, right? And so (laughs) now, yes. And so now when with the law change and now we're looking at performance based and we're trying to go after highly qualified people who who want to lead and manage and get the right people in the right roles, we had to do some unlearning with some new learning. And, and so we had to kind of reset, if you will. And that was, that's where we started to focus on our supervisors. And one of the templates that's really taken off across the country that other states are really interested in is our four level certificate program for supervisors. And, and it's a, okay. So it's a pyramid and each level, as you advance, through each level of the learning pyramid, it, level one is foundational supervisor skills. This would be your performance management, your customer being customer focused. These are your compliance co- co- courses, you know, yeah. uh, creating a respectful workplace. Uh-huh. And as you begin to advance in the pyramid, level two is advanced management skills. So now you're getting building effective teams, learning how to manage change, uh, being able to, um, you know, talk about, lead a mixed generational team or workforce. So, Mm -hmm. and then you go to level three and now all of a sudden you have foundational leadership skills. So this is learning how to create a culture of trust, learning how to, delegate, learning how to empower people, inspire people. And then you move up to the top tier in our learning pyramid for supervisors, and it's the advanced leadership skills. And this is the art of influence. You know, this is managerial courage. This is learning how to become a negotiator, learning how to support your people in in the higher levels of organizations. What's exciting about it is we've got agencies now with all these supervisors 
who are wanting to learn. Because remember, we're trying to change this idea that you have to go to training versus, oh my gosh, the state of Tennessee is offering you. Yeah. And, And this learning pyramid has really been a catalyst for our success. I Uh, The governor's chief operating officer, Greg Adams, which, by the way, in the November issue of Governing Magazine, he and I were both featured in that magazine as being the first chief operating officer for government Mm -hmm. and the first chief learning officer for government. And it it was pretty, it's a great little article on the state of Tennessee. It's called The Secret Sauce Made in Tennessee about (laughs) all that we're doing around developing our workforce and creating a place where people want to come work. But but I think one of the first things we had to do on our learning platform was say we needed something that's focused on supervisors because we knew if we could get to supervisors and make sure that we have people who are responsible for the heart, souls, and minds of a team, then then those are the people that we want to be in, you know, leading those teams. Those are the people that we've got to make sure have the skill sets where they can be effective. And that was a forgotten group. I, uh, you know, I always say that I think that middle manager is often one of the most forgotten groups mm-hmm. of people. Yep. And I, I such a powerful more. group. Yeah. Yep. We're touching up, down, and across. They're between a rock and a hard place. They have title, but perhaps yeah. not the power per se. And they're looked at from the top down and the bottom up as to, so what are you doing? Uh, so it's exciting right. to listen to it. But even listening to you, you're using a different language. You've talked about the enterprise. You've talked about the business. And the yeah. idea of state government being a business it will be an anathema to many people. So tell me right. more about that. And what are some of the gaps you're seeing that you're looking to address in 2018 and on between the needs of the business, the state of Tennessee, and the content of the learning programs that you are developing and offering. Yeah. And and I think, you know, one, I can't say this enough. I, I never want to take for granted being at a place where the top executives within our government are saying to our workforce, you matter. So, so you hear you hear CEOs of companies say, people are our greatest asset. <laughs> yes. However, the, the people don't feel that, right? And, and what I love is that our top executives, you know, Commissioner Hunter, the governor, the chief operating officer, Greg Adams, he is He's all about making sure people know they are valued and they and we're doing it through the learning lens. And and one of the things that I think is pretty exciting is creating an, a unified talent management model. So this is a, a talent management strategy that all agencies, all leaders are using not just the same language, but the same leadership competencies. So all our programs have, um, we use the same leadership library of competencies that, and then those programs are built so that our 
leaders, our employees, they're learning competencies that are happening all across the state. So if you work at Department of Children's Services and you talk to somebody in the Department of Human Services, now all of a sudden there's this shared learning as well as a shared vocabulary. And so the enterprise itself is much more unified in terms of how we approach our customer. And really, one of the most important things I think that is kind of underlies the whole approach is we wanted to become a customer-focused government. That means that everything we're doing, it's about the citizen. Everything we're doing, we want that citizen to know that, no, if somebody's out on vocation, we've already trained somebody else, so they don't have to sit a week to receive response. We have cross-training going on now so that a citizen never has to wait and that employees understand that yes, while some of the services we offer in the state may be a monopoly, you can only come to us for your driver's license, or you can only come to us for certain particular products, that we never want that citizen to feel that pain point of not getting through the bureaucratic process, sometimes those layers and layers of approvals, we've really Mm -hmm. tried to create empowering strategy where we're pushing down decision-making, which means we have to train people on how to be decision-makers. We have to actually educate our workforce to be responsive. So we created, now this was a Herculean effort, but one of the first things we did to really make it happen was we created or and wrote a customized customer service curriculum that is called Great Customer Service. And great is the acronym. And we taught 40,000 people. So that's commissioners to the frontline employee, east to west. We did all, we went on a learning journey and it was a it was a sprint to create this this shared understanding and mindset that the citizen comes first. Now you might think, well, I mean, customer service, I mean, that's kind of, um, you know, we've been doing customer service for years. But what was so unique about this strategy was we had one message that was given to all employees in the same workforce. And what was amazing, it was it was signed off and supported and endorsed by the governor and then the cabinet. So think about that top-down messaging that goes out across the workforce. This is important, and this is how we're going to approach what we do every day in government. So with 40,000 employees, as chief learning officer, what you're telling me is you have a team of 1,000 people or whatever. You have an <laughs> army of training professionals that are helping to create and deliver this. Is that the case? Well, now that's funny you bring that up because what's interesting is we had to create a model that we actually, and I call it the empowering model because we, at my team here of 20, okay, so think about it. I've got a team of 20. We needed, of course, hands and feet out across the the state, right, east and west, and inside all of these different agencies. So we created what we call a train-the-trainer model, 
And we developed, with the help of our, acad- our academic university partners, a how to facilitate certification. You can't teach anything that we have or offer unless you pass the how to facilitate certification, which says to us that you know how to lead a group of adult learners mm-hmm. in the idea of a learning experience. It, it moves from the teacher approach to now the facilitator of learning. And it's, uh, it's amazing what happened when we started the How to Facilitate certification. We were at a 33% pass rate. I am like, oh my goodness, Commissioner, what are we going to do? And she's like, well, we're going to have to figure out something because this is how we're going get, to get our messages out. So we created a uh, Fundamentals of Facilitation course that you can take before you come to the intense certification where you actually have to stand back up and in front of a panel of judges, you are actually presenting. So you're being you're being evaluated by this panel as to your skill set on how to lead adult learners in, in the learning workshops. And so now we're at an 83% pass rate. We have people in all our state agencies who can now come to our train the trainer sessions, learn the curriculum that we offer and can go back into their agencies now and teach their people. It's a beautiful model of empowerment. Yeah. I love it. And in so many different ways, because it's now not HR tells us or the the, the people section. It is the leaders within my part of the agency that are are saying that this is important. And when you had that 33% pass rate, it would have been easy just to lower the bar because you just need the bodies. But instead, you stepped up the investment in development and did that pre-qualifying workshop. So many of our corporate clients could learn from this and what you're doing because it pays off immensely. So you're listening. We're coming up on another break. You're listening to the Future Proof Workplace radio show. This is Morag Barrett. And our guest this week is Dr. Trish Holliday, who is the Assistant Commissioner and State Chief Learning Officer for the state of Tennessee. When we come back, we're going to continue to learn from Trish how they prioritize and develop their learning curriculum. I'd like to learn a little bit more about the uh, public-private sector partnerships that you have going on. So do stay with us. We all know that leaders who build talent, care about their people, and create healthy organizations are the people that others want to work for and with. Raise your own bar and future-proof your organization with the Future-Proof Workplace. Whether you're a CEO, manager, or just trying to survive the chaos, the Future Proof Workplace is your wake-up call. Because, let's face it, the future is now. Linda Sharkey and Morag Barrett are sought-out keynote speakers, leadership development and organization experts, and they can help you start future-proofing your organization. To learn more about everything they have to offer you and your organization, visit futureproofworkplace.com. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us. This is Morag, and my guest this week is Dr. Trish Holliday, Assistant Commissioner and State Chief Learning Officer for the state of Tennessee. So, Trish, I'm loving the conversation and the insights that you're sharing here. And before we went to break, you were talking about the investment you make in leaders as learners and leaders as teachers and facilitators in your program with the train the trainer uh, focus that you have. I'm curious, how do you involve leaders in helping to diagnose content and curriculum? Because it can be hard when self-diagnosis happens. I think I need team building, but in fact, no, you need emotional intelligence. So how do you help get that buy-in? 
Yeah, so that's really important. And I think that's a big component of our approach and learning strategy. I always, so I, I said I said this earlier in the show, my key customer, my key stakeholder is the cabinet member, the commissioner. And what I'm doing, so if we have 23 commissioners, then I'll go to a commissioner of transportation and I meet with him and his his executive team and I do what, what I what's called a basic needs analysis, right? And so I'm asking questions. What are your pain? points? What do you wish your workforce knew how to do in terms of professional skills, critical thinking, decision making, you know, understanding how to be a change agent? What is it that inside your workforce that you're seeing is missing and and keeping you all from serving the citizens to the best of your ability? And that conversation, one, it does two things. One, it says that learning starts at the top. And so when yeah. when I've got the top executive in a conversation about what is it that you need, and then that executive is creating that learning platform for his or her agency, guess what? People support what they help create. And so what I have noticed is through through my approach of starting with the executive, that when they build it, they help the people, their workforce, get excited around it. They're messaging it. They're talking about what, why this is important to the work that they do. They're sending out video clips that say, join me in our next learning workshop where we're going to talk about this. Or here's something even better that's happening. They're showing up and they're stopping by. And, you know, the commissioner of correction will come by his uh, prison and will, with the warden, walk into a supervisor workshop that says, hey, I just wanted you to know, I appreciate you all taking the time to learn this. This is important for the work mm-hmm. we do. I mean, it's pretty powerful when you think about it. And it starts there. And, and, and I really can't say enough, you know, and, and when, I, when I think about the nonprofit uh, world, when I talk about the the private sector business community to have the top executive say, I'm not too busy to support the learning, but yet I want the learning to be a part of my vision. Learning takes on a whole new, you know, place in an employee's mind. And it all of a sudden becomes part of the job, not, oh, I'm going to go to training today to get out of work. But now learning is in the work uh, strategy. It's in the work uh, performance plan. You're expected to learn and you're counted on to learn. Yes. And I love what everything you're doing and how the conversation unfolds is that this is a journey. It's not a go to the course, you're fixed, that's it, you're done for life. It isn't. It's an ongoing yeah. what, what happens well, next. And, and you say that, what's funny, what comes to mind is uh, when we remember when I was talking about the customer service uh, initiative that we did, that we were all across the state. I actually had an employee call and say, "So Trish, I, I'm just checking because about ten years ago I had customer service training. So really, do I need to go to this <laughs> workshop?" And uh-huh. I think that just puts it all in perspective, right? This attitude yep. that. 
I don't, do I have to go? And how do we generate this enthusiasm that really the more you learn, the better you get, the better you get, the more you get to do, the more influence you have, and then the better service our citizens receive because the quality is better because we have top talent. I mean, I, I, I sometimes think about in, in our previous world, in our civil service world before our reform, we would have top talent sitting next to poor performers and we would do across the board raises. Woohoo! Yes. Right? You imagine being a top performer, really churning out the results, and then the poor performer who's doing the bare minimum, and then here yep. comes a two raise. Woo! Now we're going to spread it across. Everybody's going to get a 2% raise in the messages. You know what? Thank you for your service, but really all you ever have to do is the bare minimum. So how do you measure the impact of the training and development that you're doing now? Yeah, I, that's a great question too, because that's been something that's been really important to us because data tells the story. I, I, I'm a firm believer from a researcher's perspective, you got to have the qualitative, which is the story, right? It's the piece where you've got your testimonies. You have your people who will say, my life was changed, or I, I never would have gotten this promotion without participating in LEAD Tennessee, for instance. And, yep. and so those are the testimonies. But to me, it's in the data that you can show the quantitative movement of the mm-hmm. needle that says, the state of Tennessee really is uh, investing in their employees, and here's how. So with our program, Lead Tennessee, one of the things I'm really proud about is we can show you data of how when, when our Lead Tennessee participants start their experience, they get a pre-360. So that's a 360 of the leadership competencies that they're going to be studying throughout the year of being in Leeds, Tennessee. And then we do a and, post- and for our listeners who just sorry to interrupt for our listeners who may not uh, know what a 360 is this is feedback against the competencies that says how do, how is Morag doing is she good bad exactly. or indifferent um, against these competencies right. and this is before I go through the training so that's the baseline okay. sorry okay so then well, what happens that's, and that's good clarification but also what, what you're being evaluated on are behaviors I'm a firm mm-hmm. believer that you can't manage personalities but what you and I are called to do as leaders is to manage behavior. And so what we want to do is measure behavior and actually be able to show, okay, Morag was great here. And at the end of 12 months of study, here's how she's improved. And we do what's mm-hmm. called a post 360. So, mm-hmm. so a participant can say, wow, here was where I was with managerial courage when I started mm-hmm. out in Leeds, Tennessee. 12 months later, Here's how I have improved because now yeah. I have data and qualitative, you know, remarks, but I have the actual quantitative number that shows I've improved by 4% or 6% yeah. or, and, and I can look at it from the enterprise and I can say to the governor, I can say to Commissioner Hunter, I can say, here's why I know Lead Tennessee is working because as we begin the year, here's where we are 
in this in these competencies. Here's how we're measuring. And at the end of the year, here's where we are. And I can show that trend line and I can show it. We're in year nine of Lead Tennessee this year. And so think about the segmented data that I can mm-hmm. produce that shows the impact of how we're continuing to get better in leading people, leading self, and leading organizations. And I can show that that quantitative data to match what the testimonies say. And, and that's just one example of how we're trying to show return on investment. And, and that means we're trying to say, don't, let's not just do this. Let's not just create a learning experience for the sake of doing it. But it has to be attached to some greater strategy that the government is trying to achieve. And then what we want to show is here's where we are and here's where we are now. And how did this learning help make that change happen? Love it. So t- you've mentioned the the private public sector partnerships, and uh, you certainly tapped into the further education establishments in uh, Nashville and across the state. But tell us a little bit more about that and how that came to fruition. Well, and, and I think the public private partnerships are pretty exciting. I am a big proponent that we are better together. When we operate in these silos and we try to do things just ourselves, well, think about it. Resources are limited. We're very cognizant of the fact that we are using taxpayer dollars to provide the services we provide to our citizens. So we better be really great at effective Mm -hmm. and efficient government. Well, that means that if we were to try to do this alone and we were trying to become this learning organization by ourselves, then we would probably only go so far. But when we can reach out and we can say, here, here's how we could share in this experience together. Here's what would, how it could win for you. Here's how it could win for state government. And then we come together with these shared purposes. An example would be, let's say there's this amazing CEO, Bob Higgins, with one of our architecture firms here in the city. And Bob comes to lead Tennessee and shares his story and his of how he had a vision and how did he help his company through change management and managerial courage, actually get to the place where they are today. So that's a private sector business leader who comes to a public sector leadership program and shares with 150 leaders, here's how, here's my story. And the impact that that has is absolutely phenomenal, right? Because now they're hearing outside of ourselves, somebody else's story, which inevitably, it's amazing in this leadership world, oh, wow, we do have so much in common. Doesn't matter what industry we're in, leadership is leadership. And so how we can learn from each other. And then I might go and help Bob with one of his um, staff experiences, one of his staff retreats, executive Mm -hmm. team experiences where I can bring in some of the expertise that we're doing and share that with his team. Now there's this win-win, right? And we're not talking about spending money. We're talking about sharing each other's time 
And that is an example of a fantastic uh, private-public partnership. And another one is with the University of Tennessee, for instance, and with Uh the Institute of Public Service. They are our partners in actually running two of our leadership institutes. And what we do is together, they have the resources, they have professors, they have um, the ability or capacity really is what I'm talking about to, for us to send our leaders to them. But here's what we've done. We've sat down and I, as the chief learning officer has said, here's what our people need to learn. And so let's build that learning agenda together. And so to me, what that does for them is they're involved in training our state government leaders. And then what we get are professors and subject matter experts, authors that we would not have access to if we weren't partnering together. Again, all boats rise, you know, and that's what I, that's how I feel is all boats are rising in the state of Tennessee because there's this collaborative approach. I call it the collective impact. And, and when we can actually think through, wow, let me just get outside my own turf or my own territory and let me invite some others into this space to say, how could we do this better with your help? And, and that's what's really happening and, and you were just a part of an amazing uh, event that Commissioner Unner and I hosted to say thank you to our partners mm-hmm. because all of a sudden people from across the country, not just the state, but we have partners all over that are really contributing to how we're wanting to, to kind of set this leadership agenda. So Trish, I've really enjoyed our conversation. We're actually down to the final minutes of the show. And so uh, for those listeners who are so inspired, how can, how can they get in touch with you if they want to learn more about what you're doing within the state? Yes, so you can go to our website. It's the uh, Tennessee State Government Department of Human Resources, and you can look up strategic learning solutions, and you can see all of our different portfolios that we have and access to me and would love to uh, help anybody out there who really wants to become a learning organization to really take that step to do that. Well, thank you. Thank you very much indeed. And to all our listeners, thank you for joining us today on the Future Proof Workplace Radio Show. Our guest was the very insightful and passionate Dr. Trish Holliday, Assistant Commissioner and State Chief Learning Officer for the State of Tennessee. Make sure that you join us next week for another engaging conversation. And remember that the future of work is not tomorrow. The future of work is today. Are you ready? This has been the Future Proof Workplace with Linda Sharkey and Morag Barrett. To learn about the hosts or to get more resources on future-proofing your organization, visit futureproofworkplace.com. Thanks for listening.